0: Uh, I've got a little uh, invitation here. This is suggestion number two. I'm going to add to it a little bit. Can you take a bunch of them home with you? Give them out at work, your neighborhood, you know. God touches a lot of people's lives Christmas Eve. People will come Christmas Eve, and they won't come at any other time in the year. And uh, I I would love us to be as a church thinking, you know, I'm not here just to sort of uh, enjoy and then go home. You're here to be built into by God, the word and the song, the singing, the praying. And then you get out of here, you go out the door, you're missionaries all of a sudden, right? You get a, you're on mission. You get a purpose, you get a job to do. This is an easy job, um, but if we do it, God will work, guaranteed. I really believe it with all my heart. So please, uh, more of these, I assume, are at our welcome center. And uh, if you can take a bunch of them and hand them out, that would be fantastic. And uh, we're going to have a good time on uh, Friday and Saturday night. Aaron has written this uh, program. This, uh, it's, it's a ton of carols, and I think you're going to enjoy that and love that. And uh, uh, some good input. Uh, it's it's uh, kind of a drama, but not really. You'll see when you get here. It's a little different, but I, I really do think uh, God will use it. So let's look forward to that. Let me pray, and we'll jump in. God, we thank you for um, this time of the year, this story, Lord, which is so rich. In meaning uh, for us to unpack and, and uh, understand and then, and then allow to impact our lives. And we pray today that uh, that will happen. You know, we pray, God, that this won't just be a time of us hearing, but it'll be a time of us engaging you and your truth and your desire for our lives. So bless us now, our God, as we think about your word and learn from it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago when I started this Advent Christmas series, I I, uh, suggested the possibility of the people who engaged this series over the course of December that, that maybe this Christmas you could really grow in your faith through the season. And I said at the time, a lot of people think that's not likely, I'm too busy, I get too much on my mind, but I hope you're growing in your faith. I hope you're understanding more and you're taking steps forward in what it means to know and love and follow Christ being transformed by him, changed by him. We began by talking about the paradox of Christmas. Do you remember how, in many ways, this Christmas story just doesn't make sense? There are truths that are held together that don't seem to make sense but do um, because God's in them. Um, at the same time, I want to, uh, you know, we, 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 we said that when you really grasp those dynamics, you end up going, wow, that's response number one to Christmas, like just awe and, and ultimate worship because of what God has done in Jesus. And then last week we talked about the the, uh, response of Mary and Joseph to the coming of Jesus into their lives, and their basic answer was yes. And as they said yes to Christ in their own ways, they stepped into the big God story. Remember I told you the, the creation and the fall, and then redemption and then restoration. God's taking us back in the end to where we started when there was no sin and death and suffering and evil in the world, and Jesus is a central part to that story. And we talked about saying yes to Christ in our lives, stepping ourselves into the story by, by yielding our lives to him as J- Joseph did in obedience to take Mary as his wife and Mary did in, in submission. May it be to me as you have said. Um, and we can do the same thing. We can live in obedience and submission to God and become part of the story. Awesome stuff. So we can say yes uh, to, the, to, to, to Christ and his coming. Well, I want to suggest today another response uh, to to the christmas story and i want to tell you if there's a yes there can also be a a no it's possible to say no to jesus and this happens in the story uh, it it can happen in our lives i mean it's a very real possibility for us if we choose it if we wish i want to unfold this for you a little bit we're going to go to again to luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 7 the third sunday in a row that i'm reading this to you and i want you to grapple with the truth of what's there uh, especially at the end of the text. See if you can pick up on the person who said no. In those days, Caesar Augustus, he's the Roman emperor, the king, most powerful man in the world by far, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. We know from extra-biblical sources there actually were two census, censuses census that were taken during Quirinius' reign rule everyone went to their own town to register so joseph also went up from that town of nazareth and galilee to judea to bethlehem the town of david because he belonged to the house and line of david he was a descendant of the famous king david of israel he went there to register with mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child while they were there the time came for the baby to be born she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Who said no to Jesus? Who said no to Jesus? Well, you know what? Uh, the, The last sentence suggests that there was a guest house in that place. We have historically referred to it as an inn. And they went to this inn in order to have a place to live. They weren't in their hometown. They knew no one. Um, they, at one point, must have knocked on the door. We surmise this. It's not taught explicitly like this other than what you see. But at one point, they knocked on the door and said, could we stay here? Could we rent a room? Could, could you allow us in? And somebody said no. We talk about an innkeeper, but there's not no actual innkeeper mentioned there, is there? And quite frankly, there's no stable mentioned in the story either. We think that Jesus was born a stable because he was laid in a manger. That's the only reference that we have to it. And what's a manger? It's a feeding trough for animals, farm animals. So it's likely that he was born in a barn of some description, not likely large, maybe a cave. But we, we, we come to this place where we recognize at some point As as Mary and Joseph made the trek, they ended up in in Bethlehem and they were looking for a place to to stay and they knocked on a door and they asked, is there a room available? Can we stay here? And somebody said no to them. Somebody said no to Jesus. I want you to set the scene a little bit more for them. Think think of of this from Mary and Joseph's perspective. Young couple, teenagers likely, as we've talked about. Um, Mary's full with child obviously very close to giving birth and they would have been exhausted after the long trek. they would have probably been scared as young a young couple with no family surrounding them a birth imminent they're probably desperate to find a place for the birth to take place Um, and somebody said no no not here sorry can't help you go away Somebody turned away the Son of God. Now, we have to admit when you think about this, no, there was probably more more of I'm sorry, I can't rather than a definite no. (laughs) Probably the inn was full. It's highly likely that was the reality. As we've read, a census was being taken and an incredible number of people who were also descendants of King David had probably come to Bethlehem. Uh, Rooms had been rented out. Others had arrived ahead of them. And somebody probably said, listen, we're just full. We can't do it. It's impossible. I'm sorry. And when you think about it, it was probably a very reasonable thing for someone to say. Um, This innkeeper, can we call him that? Probably a man in that day, a business owner, was just doing what innkeepers do. renting out space in their inn business was good that's what business is all about this man was just earning a living for himself and he was working to serve people because he would have had lots to do as his inn would have been full um doing good things but in the end he didn't have room for jesus he didn't i want you to think about this just a minute i want i want to let the truth and if you would the gravity of this settle into your mind The Son of God was right there, in utero, but there. The eternal God was literally within feet of this person. The one whom Colossians says is this, and we're going to read the verse in a minute, but it says that the one who made all things and for whom all things were made was there let's read that Colossians chapter 1 15 and 16 this is a description uh, of Jesus himself the son Christ himself is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation for in him all things were created you get that know who we celebrate uh, uh in a week from today For in him all things were created, things in, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. And, and these last two words blow me away, for him. All things exist for Jesus Christ, according to Scripture. He is our sovereign Lord and King, the living Son of God. And he was in the belly of a young woman named Mary when they came knocking at the door. (laughs) You see, the one who had come from heaven, from eternity, literally to save the world. The one who came to save the world was in this man's presence. And he was so close that, figuratively speaking, he could have reached out and touched him. But this man had absolutely no idea who was in the womb of Mary. He had no clue <laughs> about the reality of whose presence he was in. And he simply said no. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. It's another paradox. Another, another, you know, two truths we talked about a few weeks ago being brought together that don't seem to make sense. You know, God came among us. Emmanuel, the angels were to say to Joseph. God with us, literally being what Emmanuel means. But this person was absolutely and completely oblivious to the fact. Now, I want to ask you, does that have any relevance to where we're at in our lives today? Any particular bearing? on how we're doing life in this world of ours in our country we're doing this we have done this i think i can say with confidence christ has come emmanuel god has come and he is now with us by his holy spirit christ is present to us in this world but most people in canada don't have a clue about it i hope you know that sometimes followers of jesus think that most people think like us but it's not so anymore from an official perspective in terms of policy in, in our country, uh, we have said no to Jesus as a country. We have sent him away because there is no room in our collective thinking in our understanding and of our living for Christ. Um, no room for Jesus in the education of our children. No room for Jesus at our universities, which are now, for the most part, hostile toward Christianity, dramatically so. Too often, not always, but there's no room for Jesus in our business affairs and how we do business. Too often, there's no room for Jesus in our politics, in terms of how politics gets done. I could go on and on. Jesus, my friends, has come. God has come, but people do not know or see it. Maybe more tragically uh, so in the lives of many individuals, just as was the life in this innkeeper, there are people who just don't know. I was talking to a, a man this week uh, who is heartbroken because he's come to the conclusion that his adult child now is addicted to drugs. Life is struggling for this individual in significant ways. Dad's looking at it happening as, as her life falls apart. She denies there's a problem, doesn't think there's an issue to be addressed, as is the case with most addicts, of course. Um, she has turned away from the faith in which she was brought up. But you know what the reality is? The reality is that God is with her. God is there. He is so close to her. He is so present and real in her life. But the problem is she just doesn't know it. She doesn't know that salvation is possible for her. She doesn't know that she could reach out and touch him and take hold of the healing power in the person of Jesus and have him transform and heal her broken life. She doesn't know. I want to tell you, that's incredibly sad to me. You see, God is with her and she is oblivious to the fact of him and of what he could do for her. Let me ask you a question. Do you know people like that? And I suppose the second question very simply could be, uh, could this be you? What about the followers of Jesus? What about people who are Christians and believe in, in the Lord? Is there any sense in which we can identify with this innkeeper at all? You know, many of us here would say, you know, I believe in Christ. I've received him into my life as the Bible coaches and teaches us to, to do. But let me ask you this question. Is there room in our lives for him? Is there room? You see, think about life. Think about our lives and how we live our lives in this culture of ours. So often we fill it up with so many things. You know, and and very often these things are good things. They're wonderful things. But so much so, we fill up our lives that sometimes there's very little room, if any, for Jesus. What do you think? You know, I think of how when kids are young, you know, we... uh, we We, we, we take them to sports, baseball and hockey and everything under the sun, music lessons and dance lessons and on and on it goes. And we have our work, which seems to be filling more of life and certainly more of our headspace. We think we have social activities which we place into life and in which we enjoy, of course. We have our screen time, you know, televisions and computers, multiple hours every day, stats tell us. You know, some, some of you here are at school and some of our university college students are just finishing up exams and so forth, there's so much in our lives, in our schedules. We pack them full. Can I ask you, is there space for Jesus? Space for him. Room in our lives for him. I think about, I think about my head. I think about your heads. I think about the demands and the pressures that, that, that fill our minds because of work and school and all the responsibilities which we have. Is there room? Is there space in our heads for Christ? I think about our hearts, and this is really where the rubber hits the road. This is the critical element of life, because what's in our hearts determines who we are and how we live. You know, what's in there? I mean, these are the things that we value. These are the things that we love, and ultimately, these then become the things which we live for. Is there space in our heart for Christ? Let me read Matthew one twenty three to these famous words from an angel quoting the Old Testament, speaking to Joseph, as she called him to Mary in obedience the command of the Lord. Mary, Mary, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. In other words, God miraculously will produce a child, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hmm. And I want to tell you, my friends, Jesus is so close to us now by his spirit. He has come. He came in Bethlehem. He died on a cross. He rose again. At Pentecost, the spirit of God came. His spirit is with us every minute of every day. But it's so easy to get caught up in daily living that sometimes we just miss him. (laughs) We don't notice. Can I put it this way? We're oblivious to his presence. Let me put it, let me, let, me, let me say this to you and ask you this question. Is Jesus in the stable of your life, i.e. barn? Is he in the stable of your life or is he in the inn? Is he on the periphery of life? Even as a follower of his, kind of, you know, you just, you know, not here, go there. Arms distance, if you would. Or is he in the core of your being? Precious and loved, present, Within us, you see the danger. You see the possibility. Here's another paradox when you think about it God so close to us, literally, every moment of every day, God so close to us, and we just don't know. Is that ever your experience? I want to tell you the truth. This happens to me a lot. Yeah, I'm the pastor. I shouldn't say that, right? It does. Um, particularly in those times when I, uh, as I'm sure happens in your life, I'm just confronted with, you know, challenges and difficulties from whatever source ministry, family, you know, whatever's going on. And, and I've got this issue that I have to deal with and it can weigh upon me. These are the kind of things that wake us up in the middle of the night and we can't get back to sleep over. You know what I'm talking about? And they're there. And, and the tendency of Chris Little, Pastor Chris Little, too often is this, I see my challenge, I see my difficulty, I see my stressor, and my thinking goes something like this, I've got to fix this. I've got I to rise up, I've got to get on top of this, I've got to figure it out, and I've got to move forward and, and deal with the problem and make it go away. And every time I do that, I forget something. I forget that Jesus is with me, and he is the one who has said, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. And I forget that I can come along with whatever the problem, big or little, and I can just bring it to him. I spoke to you about this a couple of months ago, and you just, you know, it's kind of like unloading a load from your shoulders. You just dump it at his feet, and you give him your concern, and you say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to trust you with this one. I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm going to trust you with this one so that I can walk away, and I'm not stressed, and I'm not worried, and I'm not losing sleep anymore because I know the very present and powerful Lord Jesus is going to address my need. But I forget that Jesus is so present and so real and so powerful and so filled with love and compassion and care that I try to do it all on my own. Anybody relate? Yeah. The rest of you are liars, you know that. You know? <laughs> I know you, because I know me, right? <laughs> I didn't really say that. Cut that from the tape, guys. But it's true, it's real. And and I'm talking about whether it be ministry issues in the church. I'm talking about your business life. I'm talking about your social lives. I'm talking about your parenting. I'm talking about your parents. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Jesus is with you. Emmanuel, God has come. And he is so close that you can reach out and you can touch him. And the living son of God can breathe his life and his comfort and his peace, the candle that we light today, into your lives. So often we don't bother because we are oblivious to his presence. You see, we've got challenges. We've got challenges that are very real. Now, sometimes it's, you know, it's when We're faced with the death of a loved one. Been there? If you haven't, you will be someday. And I want to tell you, you need to know in that moment, Jesus is with you. And it is he who will fill your mind and your maybe broken heart with hope and with faith and with the strength that you need to carry you through. You need to know he is there. You know, sometimes... Sometimes it's the rebellion of a child, and you know, you, you get to a place, and how many parents have I talked to about this dynamic, and their, heart, their hearts are broken because they're afraid for their children, and they're seeing them taking the direction that they know they shouldn't take, and they're walking into hurt and heartache, and everything in a parent wants to say, no, let me protect you and keep you from that. And you just don't know what to do anymore, right? You need to know Jesus is Emmanuel, and he is God with us. And he's right there. You know, sometimes it's a struggle at work. A lot of you own businesses and a lot of you participate in them. <laughs> and those times come and you're afraid and you don't know again how, what the next step is. You can't even see success a month or two away. Or you have a challenge or a difficulty that just seems insurmountable and it, that's what's keeping you up at night. You need to know Jesus is with you. And as he says, he will never abandon you. And you need to know that he is the eternal and all-powerful son of God, the one who created all things and one for whom all things exist. And he is able to deal with what is challenging you in this moment. That's pretty cool, right? (laughs) I get God in my corner. I could go on and on. I don't know what your struggle and your challenge and your difficulty is right now for some of you that might be more intense and painful than for others but i want every single one of you to know that god has come in christ emmanuel arrived on planet earth in bethlehem and god is with us and he is with you today right here right now isn't that amazing amazing you know the the remarkable thing about the christmas story is that it is filled with elements which, let me put it to you this way, make us notice him, Jesus. They, they, they force us to. You know, think about the star that shone over, over Bethlehem, that light that God miraculously put in the sky. It just cried out, look, he's here, don't miss him. then the angels i'm going to read to you in, in a minute luke chapter 2 verses 9 to 14 but the angel showed up to a bunch of shepherds and they announced the birth of christ i don't know why the angel didn't tell the innkeeper wouldn't that have made sense to you for some reason angels and the spirit of god shows up and communicates the message to some sometimes not others but the angels came in a mighty force in the end to tell the shepherds, that Emmanuel, had come. Let me read it to you. Luke 2, 9 to 14. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. No missing this. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He, was, he is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in... Clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared. That's thousands of angels appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Is that you? Peace. Mm. You know... Think about the wise men. You know, these these people who came from the area of what's now Iran and they traveled these hundreds and hundreds of miles, taking months, if not longer, to find Christ. Um, Contrast them to the innkeeper. (laughs) He didn't have to go anywhere. Jesus came to him. And he said, Go away. And these people so valued this child, they knew because they knew who he was and they were passionate about being in his presence and knowing knowing the reality of what it was to worship him to see him what a contrast huh you see the, the people of god <laughs> think about this the people of god the innkeeper and others they had been told for hundreds of years through prophecy that jesus would come that emmanuel would show up isaiah unto you a child is born unto you a son is given the government will be on his shoulders etc cetera, etc cetera. micah a virgin will be with child right this miracle would take place. Forever, it seems, these people had waited for Jesus to come. They should have known something. They should have been aware, don't you think? Listen to John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 about their response to Jesus when he showed up. He was in the world, and here it is again. And though the world was made through him, that's the claim of Scripture, the world did not recognize him. Oblivious didn't have a clue he came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him his own said go away we don't want you and ultimately they killed him right tried to crucifixion prior to resurrection you know king herod had no room for another king in his kingdom think of the advisors that king herod called in when the wise man came and they said You know, these wise men say that a a king is to be born. Where does Scripture say he'll be born? Though It says the, 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 um, let me read it to you, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, when asked, basically said, the child is to be born in Bethlehem. They knew where the Messiah was to be born because of the prophecy. (sighs) Wise men scurried off to find and to worship Jesus. What did they do? You know what they did? You know what they didn't do? They didn't go to Jesus. Why didn't they go to Jesus? Well, I think the only assumption we can take from this story is the reality that they really didn't believe that this child had been born. They didn't believe that Jesus was Emmanuel. They didn't believe that God had come. See, in the end of the day, these people were clueless about the reality of what was going on in Bethlehem that night. The wise man, hmm. Another element which keeps us from missing the reality of Christ, they searched him out at great cost until they discovered him, until they stood in his presence, and they could reach out and touch him. See, our question in the end of the day is, what about us, right? I mean, that's what Scripture is given to us for, a nice historical account, but in the end of the day, for this to become God's you and me we've got to say what about me what about us christ has come the text says god is with us and at the end of the day the question we have to ask ourselves do we have room in our lives for him do we have space in our schedules do we do we have space in our minds to think upon and, and contemplate and know him do we have space in our hearts to value Him and love Him? To worship Him? And ultimately build our lives around Him? See, I recognize today there can be some people here today who have said no to this question before. They just said no. But the possibility for some is that they might say yes to Jesus now. Let me read John uh, 1, verses 12 and 13, the verses which immediately follow what I've just read to you about the, the people of God not receiving Him and rejecting Him. It says this, Yet, as opposed to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He, this is God, gave the right. This is a stunning statement, by the way. He gave the right to become the children of God. That's an amazing thing. Jesus came, he died on a cross ultimately for our sin that we might be forgiven for it. He was raised to new life. And through our faith in him, we, if we wish, become the children of God. If we're willing to open the door to that inn and let him into our lives. Savior and Lord. And I say to you today, if indeed you might be one of those people who has never said yes to Jesus, who have never acknowledged His presence, who have never recognized that God is with me, that the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, is present to me right now, if you have never said yes to Him, or maybe particularly if you have said no to Him before, I say to you today, do not turn away from Him again. Receive Him into your life according to the words of this text. It's like, it's like opening the door to an in and saying, come on in. <laughs> I've got room for you in here. I want you to dwell in my life. I want you to be part of my life. I'm not going to send you away. The great verse, Hebrews 3, verse 7, and verse 8, actually, says this. So, as the Holy Spirit says, this is God's spirit with us, as is the case now, today, if You hear his voice. Anybody hearing his voice today? Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, giving reference to the experience of the Israelites. See, it's possible to hear the voice of God in a moment such as this and to harden your hearts and say, no, 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 and to not let him in. And I just encourage you with all of my heart to say, yes, Lord Jesus, come in. Be part of my life. It's not hard. (laughs) Say, I believe in you, and yeah, I need my sin forgiven, and I pray that you will, but I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. From this point forward, you will be in my life, and I will acknowledge you and your presence, and I will live for you. I'm going to tell you, it's the most important thing you will ever do if indeed you choose to do it. So there are those who may have said no previously, but there are those, I suppose, too, who will have said previously to Jesus, yes, those of us who do trust in Christ and believe in him. I'm going to suggest this to you today. Could it be that today uh, that you might give place to Jesus in your life like you never have before? I'm talking about us growing in faith, taking steps forward in faith through the Christmas season, right? Is it possible that you might give place to Jesus in your life in a way that you never have before? In your schedule? In your mind? In your eagerness like those wise men to seek and understand? In your heart? So much so that you place Jesus as the greatest love of your life. So like Mary and Joseph, you can live in obedience and submission to him and his will so that you can step into the big picture of God's story in a way that maybe you haven't before. I want to suggest to you it's likely that if you're going to do that, if you're going to invite Christ in, the inn's probably full. You probably have to move some things out (laughs) of schedule, of thinking, of heart. And the option is, the potential is, that you put him first in your life like you never have before. Full submission of life to Christ is what we're called to a full commitment of our lives to the person of the Lord Jesus who has come to us Bethlehem. Last comment here from me today. And I know this is hypothetical and it takes a little imagining, but if the innkeeper could do it all over again, he could relive that night or that day when Mary and Joseph came and knocked on his door, And if he knew who was in the womb of that young woman, and if he knew who was going to be born in Bethlehem, what do you think he would do, given a second shot? You know, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, and we base our understanding and our belief on what Scripture teaches, so this isn't it. (laughs) But my gut tells me he'd say yes. Yes. My gut tells me that he would make room somehow in his inn and he would make room in his, in his life for this child. Even to the point of maybe giving up his own bed and his own room in order that the little one who had come from eternity might be born. That the Son of God, <laughs> the Son of God might have place in his life. I don't think he would have ever let a second time the opportunity of a lifetime go to say yes to Jesus. My friends, I'm here to invite you to do the same thing, to just say yes to him, Um, to welcome him into your life and into your heart and into your mind, and yes, into your schedules, to make Jesus the prominent one that he is to you. Emmanuel, God with us, he is here, like here, right now, what will you say to him? I'm going to pray and I'm just going to give opportunity for two groups of people to say yes, those who have never said yes before and then those who have. And if you wish to pray the prayers in sincerity that I pray to the Lord, I invite you to do it. Um, That you might say yes to the one who is so close, so present, so real, so ready to bless with peace, aid and help, comfort, joy, strength, whatever we need. I encourage you to pray these prayers. Let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, what an incredible reality it is that you have come to us in Christ. What incredible reality it is that that child of Bethlehem was born, lived, crucified, died, buried, resurrected to new life, so that now, Lord Jesus, you are Lord of all. And we believe, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you are with us in this place, in this moment in time. And that you are at work in the hearts and lives of your people. And Lord, for those who have never said yes to you before, but sense that this is their time to do so, I just pray this prayer and and, and encourage them, invite them to pray in the quietness of their own hearts. With all sincerity, these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, today I acknowledge your presence in my life. and I'm ready to say yes to you. Forgive me for all my sin. Cleanse me. And I invite you, Lord, to come into my life. Just as the innkeeper once could have invited you into his inn, so I invite you into my life. Be my Savior, my Lord. Lord Jesus, I just commit to Acknowledging and remembering the reality of your presence with me. And I commit to following after you, like Mary and Joseph, who said yes, just stepping into what it is you call me to. Thank you for today. Thank you for this faith which you've placed in my heart. Thank you for this season. Lord, for those people here who have followed Jesus sometimes for years and who are ready to take a new step, Lord, they too are invited to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I've known and loved you, but too often I haven't given you place in my life the way that now I long to. And uh, Lord Jesus, today I, I take a step further, knowing that you are with me. Lord I give you place as my Lord and my Savior and I'll do it in my schedule and I'll do it in my mind and I'll do it in my heart Lord today I place you first in my life I will acknowledge you as Lord and I will live for you in all that I do for you are God and I am yours help me Lord Jesus to live this out cause me to know your presence every day to acknowledge it to live it to discover your power and your comfort and your strength as I need it Lord from this moment on I'm yours God we thank you that we can have this very intimate and real relationship with you because Jesus has come Because he is Emmanuel, because he is so close, so here. We just thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. We commit ourselves to following after you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray these things.